0: Anybody need a new job? There's one going at Tottenham. It's the FPL surgery. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Post another international break week. Interesting viewing the players in the FPL season doing pretty well, the the Canes of this world. But also sad news, or maybe not for Spurs fans, with the end of the Pochettino reign. We're hearing this evening we'll get a bit more into that as we go along we're coming to you for our 150th episode iceman welcome back 150 episodes edited 2 million hours on the
1: edit- <laughs> loads of time spent editing but yeah well done to you too for making it to 150 i think what what are you on 145 of them maybe
0: I reckon, yeah, I, yes, I'm yeah. at 145, so we'll celebrate in maybe five podcast time. Although I think by the time I go on my, uh, my, my leave, I might get to like 149 or something like that. So you might have to add an extra one.
1: Oh, yeah, true. Yep, yeah, you are going to be going away because you're having a child soon. Just announcement to the listeners that don't know. And we will be having Stefan Horgsrug come in to deputise
0: in your spot. Who, who'd have thought when the podcast started that we'd eventually develop such policies as paternity leave?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Am I paying you for this? Or
0: I, I, I'm i pretty sure it's unpaid uh, paternity leave, but I'll take it nonetheless. Good. Lots to look forward to there. Uh, big shock on Pochettino. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that
1: Spurs are in a bit of a mess at the moment because I'm an Arsenal fan, but it'll be interesting to see what that provides in terms of FPL assets, whether or not going to shore up the defense or, you know, you're going to have fullback options, whether or not Kane's going to come into the contention he loves the Christmas that he did really well last year. I think he got like 10 goals over the Christmas period. So there's lots to
0: that might change now. It'll be interesting. Lots to think about. Well, we've got a great guest again with us this week, someone to help us discuss all things Pochettino and FPL. Been playing FPL since 2006. Five top 10k finishes, the highest being 3.5k. Runs one of the biggest cash leagues in FPL, the Moolah High Roller. Welcome to the podcast, Rory Cartwright.
2: Evening, fellas. How's it going?
0: Welcome, Rory. Good to have you on board, Rory. Do you want to uh, talk to the listeners about your history in FPL and how the the Moolah Cash League came about?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I'm probably the same as most, I started playing in work leagues, didn't really know what I was doing for the first couple of seasons, mainly focused on just trying to win the work league. Then in 2010, I'd been living in in Australia and moved from there to Gibraltar, so took up a, a job in the gambling industry. And most of the high street bookies are based over in Gibraltar for tax reasons. So I was kind of immersed in the whole sports betting and gambling culture over there. So you start understanding a lot more about statistics, variance, um, how the operators actually compile the odds for things like goal scorers, clean sheets, etc. So I started applying this kind of newfound knowledge to FPL and started seeing a lot more success than I had done in the previous three or four years. And the results have been fairly consistent since then. So I don't think I've finished outside the top 40K. Uh, had a few good runs in the top 10K, but still never got to the top 1K, unfortunately. So it gets more and more difficult every year, yeah, um, obviously, with more players. So see. hopefully hopefully I get a good run this year. In terms of the Moolah High Roller, so I joined the Moolah Cash League a couple of years back, maybe five years ago, and uh, that's twenty £20 pound entry. So... I would have been playing some of the kind of bigger leagues as well. I'd run leagues with friends for a bit more than that over in Gibraltar. So kind of put a post up on, on the Facebook page a couple of years ago and just said, look, if anyone's interested in a in a higher league, uh, I'll see if I can gauge interest on that. So, yeah, I've been running that for maybe two or three years. I limit, it, limit the league usually to around 50 or 60 just to keep it competitive. So I might need to increase that next year. I did have to refuse a couple of people that um, – tried to get in the last few days this year just to try and keep it at that fifty or sixty number. Um, I also run an, a bigger league than that. There's a two hundred pound entry and and there was even talk of a five hundred pound or a one, one grand entry earlier this year. So we'll see if that uh if that takes hefty. off. Yeah. It it is quite hefty.
0: Very hefty indeed. Lots of um <clears throat> lots at stake there. Iceman are we are we giving away a high cash prize for our mini league or uh, no. <laughs> it, it, it's a two no no it's, it's it's a fun pack it really is it's still worth it yeah. um, okay well it be good to hear about your opinions on the uh, the headlines for the game week Rory so let's go through them is Lundstrom now a set and forget defender even against top sides he almost scored a game versus Spurs Can an overall rank green arrow still be bad? Interesting. And uh, are United players viable FPL options now? Decent performance in the Europa League, followed by a hammering of Brighton and uh, some good performances by Rashford for England by all accounts, so we'll get into that. Should we be moving away from City? And uh, teams with a fixture turn, so Palace, Saints, Sheffield United, Leicester, Liverpool and Arsenal. Let's have some discussions there. Chaps, let's uh, have a look at how we got on in our game week. So, Rory, um, I'm asking you to think back a couple of weeks now, but how did you fare <laughs> in the last one?
2: Um, so, yeah, I did. I did fairly well in the last one. So, my main decision was was dumping Sterling for money. Um, I wild in game week nine and went with triple city attack, so Sterling, De Bruyne, and Aguero didn't really go to plan. Um Aguero obviously has been fairly disappointing and he's dropped in value as well. Uh, I wasn't too impressed with Sterling's returns and in particular his positioning against Southampton. He was playing far too wide. Even Pep was having a go at him. He just never really looked uh, looked like doing much. So he was the easiest direct route to money. Uh, I only had one free transfer so I held off, had to swallow a price rise on Mane, but I I had cash in the bank. I wanted to wait until the last minute to make that move. So transferred Sterling out for Mane, and thankfully it paid off uh, straight away. So Mane returned seven points, and Sterling only got one. Captaincy was Vardy, so again, another success. I'd only brought Vardy in the previous week, so good, good to kind of get instant returns on that and um, the captaincy's been a tough one this season the first first 10 to 15 weeks last season i think most of us didn't didn't miss a week with captaincy it was really consistent but just can't seem to get going this year it's really hit or miss so yeah great to great to get double digit returns again from the captain so i ended up on 67 points which uh moved me up to 99k rank so fairly happy with that as we gear up for the Christmas fixtures. Yeah, very solid.
1: Right at the top of our cash leagues as well, which I am not right at the top.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Iceman, how about
1: you? Yeah, I I almost killed myself at the Vardy goal against Arsenal. I decided not to bring him in in the end for Aubameyang, which was Obviously the wrong decision and really should have brought him in a couple of weeks ago when I saw him play against Sheffield United and I could see that he's just not going to get any chances and we're just not really fluid as a team as much. But uh, I decided against it, decided to hold out and just hope that Vardy wouldn't get it. And until, when was it, the 70th minute, 74th or something, I was really, really happy about it. And then that goal went in and I just went into total depression of FPL. But, you know, it is what it is. I captained Abraham so he scored me some points got something from that got the marshall 10 points um yeah i did have the two transfers which um i have already used this week so i will get more to that on the uh, transfers and captains but not great for me another average week 54 points again i'm still consistent there being mr average but i do hope to turn things around i'm not sulking over it i do have a plan to to bring it back round and I do plan on going up in the rankings now
0: yeah uh, my plan is to preferably do better over time as well i thought i had a reasonable game week last time but uh, I, unfortunately i fell again overall some players coming in for me some players not so much but i got a 56 so eight points above the average decent defensive returns from pope dunk and uh, sionchu and uh, Tielemans, I also, my, my good move for the week, everyone was coming off Mount. I did that, but I went to Pulisic. I like, um, that.
1: I like that move. T- I think it's good.
0: I think he's looking in form and he, he, he came in with an eight. I think as the season goes on, his point ceiling, I believe is going to be higher than Mason Mount, although he's a, he's a fantastic player. And I'm just enjoying my midfield at the moment. So yeah, that got me a nice 56 points. I did get a green arrow actually, as it goes. So I went up to... 874k, so my dizzy heights of being in the, the top sort of 500 have gone for now, but hoping to be in a good position moving forward. Yeah. Not much to ask, is it, over Christmas? Oh, hopefully. Well, we'll see. Right, let's talk about our patrons then. So um, we've got some new patrons this week. Andrew King joined at the Prize League level. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Alan, Matardi, Liam H and Magnus Joyce joined at the Slack level. Thank you all. Andy Portlock, just above the highest tier, so pledging the most... So a big thank you to him. If you can send the Iceman your address and shirt size, and we will send you an FPL surgery T-shirt. Vince Poyle and Ron Fosk are also pledging at the highest tier, so they get an extra special mention as well. Thank you for continuing to support the podcast so generously. Hopefully you're enjoying the content and the extra uh, the extra pods that we've put on in the International Game weeks.
1: Yeah, we really did get a good review of that last podcast and
0: put up an article
1: of the, what the Slackers say just with the um, reviews, just to show how good that was with Helm. I really enjoyed that, really enjoyed listening to what he's got to say and how he actually goes about his FPL business.
0: Yeah, great, great FPL mind on that guy, definitely. Right then, let's get into the uh, headlines For the upcoming game week, let's start to head into this festive period and set ourselves up nicely, as our guest has, to make inroads to that top 100k. First of all, the issue of Lundström, set and forget. I'm certainly pro that. Really interested to hear what you think about that, Rory. Lundström, is he in your team, and is he a set and forget player?
2: Yeah, I mean, Lundström's a hero. (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of progressed from being a solid bench option to a bit of a risky starter and now he's potentially a nailed player in your team which is kind of unheard of for a four million defender but I mean he's he's not a defender is he <laughs> he was he was actually one of the first players in my team this season so I have uh, a few friends of mine that are Chef United fans who are adamant he's not a defender nothing I could see online preseason was saying he was a defender now I almost got swayed away from him because they were convinced he wouldn't hold his place in the team and um, which I think a lot of Chef United fans were but for 4 million, I think he was he was worth the risk, um, even if he just sits on your bench. The same kind of as Greenwood and, and Rico, I started with the three of them. But yeah, Lundström was one of the first players in my team, along with uh, De Bruyne. I just thought they were both mispriced. And I'm not going to pretend I had this insane vision of Lundström turning into the attacking player he has been. But like I said, we always look for the cheap 4 million defender and 4.5 million midfielder or striker. So... Not even just like a midfielder like Den Donker. It wasn't just someone that was just going to pick up bonus points. He looked like he could. He had a few attacking returns in him. Um, So I started him game week two ahead of Perez and got lucky with a 14-pointer. And he's kind of been in my team since then. Now, unfortunately, I benched him against Everton in game week six. So I went with Rico against Southampton and uh, missed out on his 12-pointer. But... I mean, they're, they're, that's the breaks. They're, did did you get the 21 the, point? Did you get that? I did get the 21 point. Oh, yeah. So you're still smug. Uh, yeah.
1: All these all these Lundstrom owners that bought them in for a four meal, proper smug at the moment. Oh, <laughs> oh look how well <laughs> I did.
2: Oh, I'm so to good. To be at fair, I, I got bitten back. I bought in Sayunku three weeks ago. So I've had Sayunku on my bench um, for all of his points in the last couple of weeks. So. Um, that's bit me right back, so anyone that had Lundstrom on his bench or didn't have him for the first couple of weeks, it's it's not the end of the world um, but yeah, it kind of brings us back to the original original question then, I mean, I left him on the bench for that 12-pointer, so do we bench him again and yeah. risk missing another haul, or with Chef United's good run of fixtures and I think he's had about 90% ownership in the top 10k it's kind of set and forget now you kind of put him in the team and whether he performs or not it's not going to have a huge impact at this point
1: Yes I mean we've got to look at Sheffield as a team haven't we because they just seem to be defending brilliantly at the moment. I mean, if we look at them to see who they compare with defensively so far this season, and they made teams like Arsenal and Spurs look like a mid-table team. And they are top for clean sheets at the moment, equal with Leicester and City on five for shots conceded they're actually 7th best only teams above them are Man City Everton Chelsea Man United Liverpool and Leicester in that order so it just shows they're, they're just behind all those teams Yeah, you know, they, they can get clean sheet against anyone they prove that against Arsenal I looked at the shots as well in terms of on target uh, they are 4th best behind Liverpool Chelsea and Leicester and I looked into like deeper stats on Sheffield as a whole just because I thought right am I going to have to bring this player in he just looks so good. And for loss of possession, just a unique one, which I don't think many people look at. They, they're they actually sixth uh, overall behind Newcastle, who are top, which is shocking. Liverpool, Burnley, Leicester, Man City. So, you know, they don't give the ball away very often. I think they, they tend to... Play as a team. They tend to pass together. They don't take people on very often either. I think they're, they're second bottom for that. So it shows that they're a cohesive team. They're, they're not full of individuals. They work for each other and they've come up from the championship together and they've got like a sense of awareness of where each other are and how they're going to press as a unit. And it is even worth maybe doubling up on them. I mean, look, looking at their fixtures coming up, what they, what have they got so far? So they've got Man United at home, which you could say is a tough fixture, but Man United are are blowing hot and cold at the moment. Then it's Wolves away, Newcastle at home, Norwich, Aston Villa, Brighton and Watford. So all good fixtures for the next five after that Wolves game, maybe. And you can even consider doubling up on them. I mean, you consider players like Stevens, O'Connell, he's cheaper, uh, Ballock, who's a right wing back. He uh, scored against Spurs uh, and even Basham and Egan who are all getting 90 minutes with the exception of Basham I think he missed some games towards the start of the season I suppose the only problem is there is that Egan I know he came off for Ireland so he might miss this game at the weekend and that's him and Henderson not playing against United so there is a question mark there but if we go back to Lundström himself you know not playing in that back Five, but actually playing in midfield he hit the post against Spurs after scoring two the week before he's top for defenders so far this season top for shots on 18 for the season and in the last four game weeks with 11 so he's in a shooting mood at the moment and even listening to him from he heard on Twitter everyone's mentioned him about his FPL team I think he just wants to do it for that as well he's got that in his mind he's top for uh, big chances total on six, that's ahead of the likes of Doherty and Robertson and TAA both on two. Doherty on three. Yeah, He's proven all the stats are in his favour. I mean, even the the chances created, he's in the top ten for defenders uh, in eighth place behind the likes of TAA, Lucadine, Dean, uh, Young, Robertson, Rico. Actually, Rico was a surprise there. Chilwell and Asplaqueta. He only has the one assist on the season so far, so he's not really getting known for those assists, but he is putting those balls in and making those crosses, and he is coming close quite a lot. And overall, he's actually second for XGI behind TAA and in front of Robertson. As we've established, and as you mentioned before the season started, he is an attacking player. He's not a central fingering defensive player. He plays right wing, and he's still cheaply priced he can get attacking all defensive points in any game maybe apart from against the top 3 or 4 teams like Leicester Liverpool City but yeah if if that argument isn't enough to actually start him every game it's at least enough to bring him in if you don't have him already and that is definitely something that i'm doing this week
2: Oh, so you, you haven't had him up until
1: now? No. So when you were being smug at the start of the podcast, I was, um, <laughs> I was hating on you there. But now that, um, I've actually already got him. So I did bring him in already yeah. this week. I, I did it before he price rose because I had to. So I, I've now got him. I, I do feel a lot happier. Now that I do have him, what should yeah, I should like I said,
2: it it seems to be more just of a blocker. He's he's in so many teams at this point that whether he blanks or whether he performs, you're not going to see huge movement either way. Um, obviously, I do think that he's he's still a great option at that price, and it'd be nice to see him get a get a couple more clean sheets, but. I'm just kind of parking them in the team now and just forgetting about it. Um, yeah. Anytime a player goes over that much ownership, you just don't see huge, huge movement. I think Vardy and Abraham are both above 85% now as well. So, once, I mean, unless you've captained them, you're not going to see huge movement on them either. Yeah,
0: agreed. Okay, nice. Let's have a look at our next uh, headline. So, can overall rank Green Arrow still be bad?
2: Yes, so this is this is uh, something obviously that uh, I, I mentioned to you guys. So I, I jumped from 120k to 99k this week. So that's a decent overall rank jump any week. I mean, anytime you're seeing a green arrow, it's good. But I actually got a red arrow in practically all of my mini leagues. So I think this gives a good insight into the makeup of the players in the top 200k at the moment. It sounds counterintuitive, but despite my overall rank being my primary focus every season... In the early stages, I'd actually prefer to get a green arrow in certain mini leagues just based on the quality of the players in those leagues. So I've got some of the best players around in in some of these leagues, so they're really competitive. Um, Very, very difficult to win. I think Mikel Tocfam, who we've had on the podcast before, he won it last year. He won one of the leagues and you need to be in the top 1,000 or 2,000 really in the world to be winning them. So I generally... Use them as a barometer of, of how good my score is. And it's usually a good indicator of how the top players worldwide are doing. We're only a third of the way through the season. There's still a huge number of players, I think, in the top 200k that you would expect to fall back as the season progresses. So while 67 points was a, was a good score last week, I've definitely got no complaints about that. Obviously, you guys were fit in the mid fifties, so would have dropped a couple of points on that, but maybe even still seeing the green arrow. Um 67 is a good score. It's just many of the players in the mini leagues would have either matched or beaten that score. So I was actually the joint lowest score in the top 10 in one of the cash leagues. So oh, wow. it's just an interesting one where you can you can actually see a decent green arrow early on in the year. But in mini leagues where you're up against the people that will really be challenging come come uh, April, May, they're the ones you really want to be comparing yourselves to. So. Yeah, it was, it was a good week. I have no complaints about it, but definitely still dropped a little bit of ground against uh, some of the players in the mini-league. So I just think being able to correctly gauge how your team is performing is kind of crucial to planning your future transfers and ab- avoiding panic moves. You also always need to just be measuring your score against something that's relevant, whether it's the overall rank or players in your mini-league. So I say the same when I when I hear people setting arbitrary points targets for a week. So People saying, oh, I, I hit 50 points, so I'm happy. I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. 50, 50 points when the average is 40 is a good week, but 50 points when the average is 80 is an awful week. So setting arbitrary targets or goals is, uh, is not a great idea.
1: I think I agree with that. Peter Blake has always said that he likes a 50, not too you know, bad mouth Peter Blake, but I, yeah. I, I've kind of not agreed with that fully. I just think, that, yeah, it does depend on each game week. And I'm really disappointed with my 54 this week. And I have been throughout the last few game weeks as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's targeting those players, which are good players, which are scoring good points, which you want to keep up with.
2: Exactly. And I mean, there's always weeks as well. There's generally a couple of weeks in the season that will will define your season. I mean, sometimes you'll score five or ten behind the average, but it's a low scoring week. So it won't really have a big impact. But you could score 70 one week and think it's great, but the average is 90 or 100. So it's those weeks where. Uh, You'll probably have heard it before. It's a a good week to have a bad week, or a bad week to have a good week. So, there hasn't been many of them the last couple of weeks. People have just been kind of grinding out the scores. So, I think in the build up to Christmas, we're going to see a few of these weeks where you'll see massive movements. You just got to hope that you're on the right side of it. Yeah, hope. (laughs) Yeah, you can put all the planning into it you want, but there's still a huge element of luck in this game
0: yeah Iceman so any any other thoughts on
1: this uh, yeah just I mean like there are over 7 million players at the moment as Rory's mentioned you know people moving in different directions all the time I had a look at this like in a little bit more depth because obviously it's a headline so I thought showing that there's not only a lot of managers with similar players at the moment like Rory said he got a, a green arrow but reds and all the others uh, but there's a lot of managers with many differential players for example like you look at the dream team for the week that's just gone it's got the likes of Delafeu, Harry Wilson, Neves, Bernardo Silva, Tarkovsky.
0: Yeah, as well as the
1: popular players which are like Pope, Tamori, Marshall, and Vardy. Now If I look at that and the managers with, like, Harry Wilson, etc., that have scored well this week, I can't see those players scoring consistently like the players like Vardy, etc. So the managers that are picking the popular players I think will come good. If you look at, like, the season as a whole, I went back and looked at the Dream Team players of all throughout all the 12 game weeks, and I think all the consistent players, like Sterling, like KDB... Uh, like Vardy, you know, Sterling, KB, not being consistent recently, Vardy has, as the season go, goes on, we'll be in and amongst the top point scorers each week. So we're only 12 game weeks in, and it feels like we kind of know what players to go for now a little bit more. As Rory mentioned, uh, over this Christmas period, when you know, you're going to get, hardcore FPL managers going to be able to take advantage of all the casuals the turnaround of game weeks are so quick now so it's good to have a plan get a bench pay attention to your team changing the captain all the time uh, preparing what transfers you're doing you know taking advantage of all those players who normally just make last minute decisions before the deadline they might not know when the deadline is it might be a good tip to actually um, I heard it on the FPL Generals pod just to write down when the deadlines are and Just make note of it and make sure that you're paying attention and you know when you're going to make your transfers and how you're going to make them. But just set out a plan because that could overcome
0: quite a lot of managers uh, towards this Christmas period. Yes, I
2: totally
0: agree. Right, Okay. So, yeah, nice discussion there on our second headline. So, third one comes with some questions. So, are United players viable FPL options? Good performances in the Europa League? Uh, and Hammer Brighton. So Lamanda Adici has asked now that United have some form, is Martial viable? Bitter and Stout, can Rashford disrupt the current forward template of Vardy Abraham and Jimenez, as England form would suggest so. And uh, that bitter and stout has also said happy ton fifty. So nice from Mike Jeski there recognising the knock iceman. Yeah, thank you, Mike. He's been a very consistent
1: and he has been patron of ours as well, so I do appreciate and he's noticed that. Okay, do you want to <laughs> answer the headline? Sorry, I was, I was waiting for you to kind of take it to Rory. I was going to see, to <laughs> yeah, see can, he was interested I can jump
2: course. in there. Um, so, are United players viable FPL options? Um, I think they definitely are. There's a decent chance I'll actually be taking a hit this week to bring in both Rashford and Martial. Oh, wow, both um Yeah, both. So, I mean, they smashed Chelsea 4-0 on the opening day of the season. Undeserved I don't think that though. Yeah, undeserved. I don't think that was reflective of the game at all. Um, Since then, they've really been struggling to score more than a goal a game. Now, Martial has just returned, and since then, they've put three past Norwich, three past Brighton, three past Partizan Belgrade. That could have been about six. Uh, And then they beat Chelsea 2-1 in the cup with Rashford getting both. So it's it's a small sample size, but I think it's clear Martial definitely gets the best out of Rashford. So if we look at game week seven to nine, so Rashford without Martial had five shots and one big chance. Then from game week 10 to 12 with Martial back, Rashford had 14 shots and five big chances. So again, it's a small sample size. It's difficult to read too much into that, but these are the type of players that. If you get on them and United do start hitting the groove, you could really, you could really shoot up the rankings with these. I mean, Rashford's, Rashford's actually been doing quite well. He's been doing well for England. I think he scored in the last three games. And even in the Premier League and FPL, I think we'd be looking at much higher ownership if he hadn't missed those two pens. His current yeah, points are 63. Pens, yeah. He's missed two pens. I think it's only two. Could be, and I think Rashford, or Martial missed one as well. It feels like games, a lot so.
1: more.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there might have been some in cup games, but I think he's only missed two in uh, in the Premier League. But if he scores one of those pens, he's on the same points total as Aubameyang. If he scores both, he goes clear of Aguero. And he wouldn't be far off Abraham then. And we'd all be raving about how great an option Rashford is. So it's kind of fine margins here. I mean... From a gambling point of view, players are usually, on average, 80% likely to score a penalty. And Rashford does have a decent record of converting them. So I haven't seen both the pens. I don't think i watched those games. But the fact that he's missed both is, is fairly unlikely. But um, I think that's why he's a little bit under the radar. <laughs> and when we were talking about Lundström there, so Lundström at 90% and Abraham and Vardy 85%, whatever they're at. That's not going to move you up the rankings a lot unless you captain them. So, what's going to shoot you up the rankings is getting in players that are lower ownership. So, I think uh, Rashford and Martial only one percent of teams in the top ten k on both. So, I doubled up on Fraser and Wilson early last season, and that was probably the main thing that rocketed me up into the top few hundred in the world just before Christmas. I mean, it was a risk, and they definitely overperformed. I think Fraser got about eighteen points in one game. So. The, these are the risks that can pay off now United haven't been on form at all and the last few games is a fairly small sample size they could easily they could easily lose one 0 to Sheffield United or draw one all or something this weekend but I do feel that most United goals, Will involve one or both of these guys. If you look back at the goals, the last few goals, it's been Martial assisting Rashford or vice versa.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Rashford he's got three goals and one assist in the last four, so he's just showing that, isn't he? And he's top for XG over the last four as well. Oh, really? And yeah. and uh, XGI. So, he's obviously getting involved. He's behind uh, Vardy and Jimenez for shots on target over the last four, and he's got 16 shots overall, which is joint second... Yeah, joint second with him. There's with more pay with seventeen shots in the last four. But the he's got the six shots against uh, Brighton, which is obviously a high number. Scored for England, looks to be coming into form, and they're just r- really linking well. Marshall and Rashford. Now it is showing. Like a lot of people yeah. are discussing it now. Marshall obviously cheaper at the two out of position. He's in my team so. I hope that people don't actually bring him in because yeah. I do think he is, he's doing really well. He's playing right up there with Rashford, so consistent for returns as well. I think he's only blanked once this season. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. he's he's top of my list this week. I mean, I think that's nearly a guarantee that I'll be getting him in. Uh, the only way I can fund that is by downgrading Aguero. Now, Aguero could easily smash against, uh, against Chelsea, but that's the risk I need to take here. I really want to get Martial in for this run and then it's between Rashford and Jimenez I don't think there's a huge amount between them Rashford probably has more difficult fixtures Um, he's got Spurs and City coming up I'm not sure how how the Europa League game will affect Wolves they seem to have not been as good as last season and you can only really put that down maybe to Europa League or maybe they were overperforming a bit last season but there's not a huge amount between Jimenez and Rashford Um, the main thing for me is what I would do with the extra cash and if I get Jimenez, I can afford to bring in Robertson and double up on Liverpool defense, which is definitely something I'm I'm really interested in. If I go with Rashford, uh, I probably won't have the funds to be able to bring Robertson in, so that's my main decision there. I think trying to predict who's going to score more between Rashford and Jimenez uh, over the next five or six is going to be difficult. I think either one of them could really hit, um, could really smash it. It's it's more about what you can do with the extra cash. So. I need to figure out whether I really want to get Robertson in. Um, if that's the case, I'll probably opt for Jimenez.
1: I, I like the, the Rashford move. I really do. Just um, a strange fact which uh, Bernardo's Maldonado put on our Slack. He, he put, fun fact, United are fourth best for XG in the league this season behind City, Liverpool and Chelsea. It just shows well, that, you know, I think that's, uh, the penalties do skew that a little bit, but yeah, it, it yeah. is interesting. Uh, also I did notice that like, if you choose in between the likes of say Madison of Leicester are flying at the moment, there was a, a, a stat on Twitter by Adam Hotcroft at, uh, a Hopcroft 13. He put Marshall Premier League record underneath Oligano Solcios, played 20. He scored six and assisted four. Madison under Rogers played 20. He scored five and assisted five. So they're actually pretty close in terms of numbers there. But out of the two, it was a difficult choice. But I think I would go the Marshall option as well, just because... Almost it's, it's more exciting as well, having, yeah. having that t- type of player. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think if you went Rashford, I think it's almost a, a good, interesting differential for me. You, you can see more than one goal from Rashford. I can't really see that from Jimenez. I like Jimenez as a player, but, um, yeah, I can just see like hat tricks from Rashford.
2: Yeah, it just, it just depends what type of United you're going to see. It's very difficult to predict mm. how they're going to play. Um, so hot and cold. There, there hasn't been, yeah, there hasn't been much consistency at all. But they seem to have hit a bit of a a bit of a groove now with, with Martial getting back. Like I said, they're, they're scoring three goals, two goals. I mean, before that, they were lucky to get one in the game. They had some awful results. Um, now, they did, they did lose... Was it 1 0 against Bournemouth? So that was a bit of a surprise result. But other than that, they've been fairly good the last five or six games in uh, the league and the cup.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good consideration of the red side of Manchester there. Let's move to the. Blue side, should we be moving away from City? And I've always said these headlines surprise me, but uh, I'm sure we'll have a, a good argument here. Um, so we've got some questions to accompany this. So Lamanda Adichie, just spoke about earlier, question earlier. Can we disregard Man City or will we regret it at this stage? Yeah, Rory, where do you stand on City at the moment? Have you got many in your team?
2: I had three. Uh, so I, I did the wild card in game week nine and went with three City attacks: so Sterling, De Bruyne, and Aguero. That hasn't really gone to plan, as I, as I mentioned earlier on the pod. A captain Aguero benched in game week nine and just too many blanks, I think, spread across them players. So the two most expensive ones, so Sterling and Aguero. Um, I got rid of Sterling last week for Mane and I think Aguero this week is going out. Um, I fully expect City to bounce back at some point and start challenging. They still have some tough games coming up. So I think Chelsea game this weekend could be really good and could be high scoring. I don't think either defence has been fantastic to date, but I think there could be plenty of goals in that one. But look, if you, if you sell Sterling, you can't have Sterling, Aguero, Mane, Sally. You can't have them all. So you kind of need to pick between who you think is the best and try and hold on to them. De Bruyne, for me, is a bit of an anomaly because I've had him from the start. Uh, so there's a bit of price locked up in him, but I also just think he's, he's way undervalued. Um, he should be 11 or 12 million as well. So the fact that he was he was a lot cheaper than that. I mean he's he hasn't done much in the Premier League in the last few weeks, but just looking even on the internationals, he's got two assists against Russia on Saturday. Uh scored twice tonight. So he's proven in the league. And for the price that I got him at, I just can't see myself selling him all season. So you talk about season keepers, I usually try and steer away from that. But the likes of De Bruyne and Lundstrom I just can't see myself getting rid of them unless they get injured.
1: Just to caveat that, I mean, like, if you look at since his his injury, whether or not it's affected him in a negative way, he's only got the one assist in the last four. There yeah. is, there is a question mark over him. I know he, maybe he's hit back in form tonight. Now that he scored two, maybe he's going to hit it again. Who knows? But. There, there is a, a question mark to to remove him somewhere. I do agree with you. I think that he is valuable. We had a question from um, Mad Hatter saying, "Is KDB worth his value, or is he going to turn into the man who assists the assister? So, is is that worry? Do you, do you think about that at all?
2: No, not really. To be honest, I mean, as I said, he he got two assists against Russia, and then he was he was scoring tonight. I, I don't think he's the kind of player that sits deep enough that will be assisting the assister. He's generally the the creative force. they the one that swings in that last ball um, or takes on the shot himself. So unless he's shaken an injury, um, I just put this down to, to a little bit of bad form and I think City in general are going through bad form as a team. Yeah, he's he was dropped against Wolves and only has one assist in the last four but once he's still playing 90 minutes or close to it he's he's not going anywhere from my team. Um, the other two now, like I said Sterling, was a bit of a risk getting rid of him for Mane but I just fancy Mane's Games over the next while. And with Aguero, eh, look, I, I I went on a bit of a punt for with Triple City, and uh, it's kind of backfired. But with the fixtures that he had, uh, Crystal Palace, I don't think anyone really saw Aguero getting benched for that game. Then Villa playing 14 minutes, Southampton, yeah, he scored no bonus there, so six points, not a great return, and then blank again against Liverpool. With Aguero now, you've got Chelsea. I expect him to start I expect him to potentially score in that game he's probably the most likely on the pitch to do it but who knows what will happen then next week against Newcastle and then you've got a midweek game against Burnley and that's got Aguero benching written all over it if if Jesus is back so I think it's a lot easier to get rid of the likes of Aguero and Sterling's a bit more difficult but again a lot of people are making that move to Mane I did it last week I think the general is talking about doing it this week I'm sure a a lot will follow that De Bruyne yeah, for me I've though is, well. is, yeah De Bruyne stays in my team though
1: unless he's injured. See, see, I've I've actually gone the De Bruyne out because I, I want to keep Sterling because I believe yeah. that I mean look, I have also looked at Sterling out next week for Mane, but I do believe that City, you know, they may be in bad form as people are saying, but if you look at all their games which they played this season, they've scored two or more goals in all of them apart from the last game. And that was against Liverpool. So it's not a surprise. There there will be goals in every single game that City play in. And Sterling, maybe he's out of form at the moment. But I do think there is potential to come from him. He is always going to be in and about the the box and always attacking. I think he got 17 touches in the box in the last game week. Obviously got nothing from it. But it is difficult to move away from these players. I mean, the pros of keeping them... Is that you know they're capable of scoring five in any any game, with the exception being Liverpool. They are a captain option in any given game week, even though the fixtures are are tougher apparently, but are they really that tough? As we spoke about it last week. That Chelsea at home... You can see goals there. Chelsea are not that good away uh, defensively. Newcastle away, maybe they can hold them. But I can still see goals there. Burnley, they've conceded this season. United, you don't know what's going to happen. Arsenal, they're going to thrash us. And uh, I suppose when you hit Leicester at home, maybe it'll be a bit more difficult. They're not terrible fixtures. The other side of the argument is that you look at those fixtures and you do think they're tough. You know, maybe... They won't be captain options for some people, and I suppose if you do get rid, you're avoid, avoiding that busy period over Christmas and the rotation that may come, like you say. So, it's not a, a simple answer for me, and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm wavering over it on the on the Sterling thing, whether or not to get rid of them next week for money.
2: Yeah, it is. It's not. It's not an easy decision. Like I said, I I went with three. City attack um, only a couple of weeks ago in the wild card, and now I'll be down to one. Yeah. It's not an easy decision to get rid of them, but it's really, you, you need to measure who you're getting in for it. So with Mane, I think Mane outscores uh, Sterling over the next couple of weeks. And I think with Aguero, there's just too much risk in particular game week 15 I just I can see him getting benched for that a midweek game so you're really relying on him returning now against Chelsea and Newcastle I just think the, the money is better spent yeah. and also on my team specifically I took a bit of a gamble on Yarmolenko which just hasn't worked so I'm keen to kind of get rid of him this week so it kind of makes sense for me to be moving on Aguero and Yarmolenko and like this there is a lot of good options then that I can be bringing in now I'm I'm locked out of getting Madison. Because I went with double Leicester defence in the wild card. So I've got double Leicester defence of Vardy. So already got the max three players. But Martial really just stands out for me as a, as a replacement for Yarmolenko. And then up front, I've either got Jimenez or Rashford. Uh, I also toyed with the idea of potentially bringing in Sun. So with that Aguero kind of money coming in, I do have 18 million to work with for a striker and midfielder. So I could afford some, but I'm just not sure. Yeah, it's it's something I need to think about a little bit more. I'm still leaning way in favour of going with Martial, but then you also need to factor in the news tonight of um of Pochettino getting sacked. So not sure how that will affect positively or negatively on, on Sun's performance.
0: Yeah, interesting views there on uh, on City. I've still got plenty in uh, in my team. I'm holding on to the KDB Sterling double up, and I think I I will. I just I can't see them underperforming for for too much longer. It's the old fallacy in FPL and holding on uh, for too long. But I just part of me just feels they're gonna they're gonna riot very shortly. Yeah, last game yeah. they lost. They won eight nil against
2: Watford. <laughs> Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, they've always got that <laughs> in them.
0: That.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's one other thing as well that um, I don't think a lot of people are looking at, um, and for obvious reasons. So is this is the city defence? Uh, I think currently that's a no go. But I'm going to be watching them closely to see if anyone manages to lock down a spot. Um, I think I saw a stat on Twitter the other day that City have faced the fewest shots of any team in the top five leagues in Europe. This oh, season, yeah. so they've definitely faced
1: yeah. a few so far in the prem.
2: In the prem, yeah, I think I saw it, it was that they were the lowest in Europe this season. So I think Ederson is too expensive as a goalkeeper option, and there's a lot of really good goalkeeper options around. So you just really need to look at their back four, and at the moment, it's it's a mess. It's it's totally a no go. But if somebody does manage to lock down a spot, and they've a great run after game week 18, so I might look to get in a city defender then. Uh, they might be flying under the radar a little bit.
1: Yeah, interesting. Just looking at that, they have conceded the least amount of shots in the Prem, but they're fifth for shots on target conceded. Liverpool actually conceded the least shots on target. Interesting. Yeah,
2: Liverpool have been quite unlucky with the uh, yeah, with the clean goal, sheets. One goal every game. <laughs> every time. I've had two one.
1: of them for ages. It's driving me nuts.
2: Yeah, this is why I'm really keen to get Robertson in. I can see them just, I mean, it's it's just kind of variance at this point. They are just conceding the one goal a game, um, sometimes quite unlucky as well. So uh, they will start getting clean sheets and they get clean sheets and add on the attacking returns, you'll see them pulling in some big scores. I mean, Lundström has been incredible this year because not only is he, is he performing and attacking, he's doing it in, in the games when... Sheffield United also get a clean sheet, so he's practically guaranteeing bonus points.
0: Lunch. Oh. Top, uh, <laughs> top, top man! Oh, what a um, hero! Should we move on to uh, to our fifth headline? <coughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, teams with a fixture turn. So a couple of questions here. M. Bison has asked Crystal Palace have incredible fixtures from game week thirteen. Onwards, but are any of their players worth targeting? An FPL Oakwell, can we trust lesser sides with good fixture runs, e.g. Palace and Southampton, or just avoid completely? Interesting one, this. Um, I'm presuming people aren't thinking about Christian Benteke when they're talking Palace, but the Zaha's of this world spring into the conversation again. Uh, Milivojevic, possibly not so much of a an option this year with the whole VAR ongoing debacle, but... Um, yeah, fixture turns, Rory. Thoughts on this?
2: Um, yeah, I don't really look at teams too much. I more look at players. Um, but, I mean, I guess it's kind of the same thing when you're talking about fixture fixture turns. Uh, Palace, the only one I would really consider would be Van Anholt due to his goal threat and the fact that he's really consistent for starts over Christmas. He could be an option. IU as a cheap enabler up front. You mentioned Benteke there. It's I'm called, not sure what's happened to him. Tonight, is- yeah, I saw. that. <laughs> um, yeah, they hammered them. So De Bruyne. How, how does he well. get in
0: the Belgium? I don't understand how yeah. a generation Belgium players that he can still walk in. Maybe he's the missing link. Who knows?
2: Yeah, he's. I mean, he scored fifteen goals a few seasons back, and now can't even get into the Palace team. So yeah, it's a bit a bit unusual. But yeah, for me, I mean, like I said, Van Aanholt could be an option. But I'm fairly locked in. If I go with double Liverpool defence. And then I'll have Lundström and Soyunku and Rico. So I don't think I'd be looking at any defenders. We'll see what way it goes over the next few weeks. But um, from Palace, there's no one really that interests me. Uh, you look at Southampton, I mean, Ings potentially interesting but I'm not sure he's worth six million, even though he's got five goals so far. He's played every game, I think, but he's only made it to 90 minutes twice. So I'm always, I always kind of go on the conservative side when I'm picking players and I'm always wary of getting in players that I'm not guaranteed that will start. So players like Ings and then Mousset from Sheffield United, look, they're they're great if you get them in. They're really good enablers, but I always tend to steer clear of these guys.
0: Yeah, just
1: moving back to Palace a little bit there. They've conceded two goals in their last four games. Well, two goals per game in their last four games. So, I have looked at Cahill as an option. He seems to be getting 90 minutes and they've kept some clean sheets this season. It just made me think, well, maybe they're, they're an option. But, you know, going with FPL Oakwell, can we trust these sides? I don't know if we can. Well, we can maybe trust the likes of Leicester, Liverpool and Sheffield United. But, uh, Palace and Saints are, you yeah, know, not necessarily, you've got to hit them at the right time. I mean, if the thing is with Palace, Zaha could become an option at some point. It's just whether or not you know that his head is in it and to me it doesn't quite look there at the moment for paris but he could become a good option they have got Good fixtures all the way until like beyond Christmas as well. So, if you're looking at bringing an option which you're planning on either having as that safe bench option, then maybe that's possible. Yeah, definitely. One have... other
2: thing I'd I'd say on that. Uh, sorry to jump in. Okay. Is is just with game week 18 that should be always at the back of your mind. Just because it's the the week, obviously that Liverpool will be, um, will be having a blank. So I think a lot of teams are going to have two Liverpool players, if not three. So you're going to be throwing them onto your bench and playing players like, I don't know, Rico, if Rico even holds his spot in the team, uh, Den Donker. So it's worth noting with Palace that they actually have a decent fixture in game week 18, so they have Newcastle away. So if you were to bring in someone like Cahill, it would give you a little bit of an advantage then for game week 18 because not only do Liverpool not play, all the other teams, the bigger teams and the highly owned players, have tough fixtures um, Leicester those, play Man City
1: Those bench options sorry just to cut across you have actually got yeah, yeah. good fixtures for that Game Week 18 Bournemouth have got Burnley at home uh, Wolves have got uh, Norwich away and I think who who's your other bench option I suppose it's Greenwood isn't it and they've got um, Watford away yeah, uh, yeah. as well so all those bench options do have good fixtures No
2: they do they do but I the thing about Rico is I'm not 100% sure he'll hold his spot and with Den Donker Den Donker is basically just a guaranteed two points he's not really <laughs> going to get much for you i'm actually already thinking ahead i think one of the, the next questions coming up is around Treori. so he's someone that i have in mind and part of that thinking is around game week 18 so it would be the same if i was looking to opt for a crystal palace uh, player it is good to start thinking about your bench options now and especially your bench options for game week 18 because that's the week that you're going to really need them
1: yeah, I mean, Wolves do have good fixtures as well. We didn't put them in that list, but they do have pretty good fixtures in Bournemouth. Yeah, Sheffield United, not a good fixture anymore, but West Ham and Brighton in the next four. So maybe yeah. you can uh, let's quickly move on to that question from Mad Hatters. just put is Traore a decent enabler? Uh, what's your thoughts on him then?
2: Um, yeah, he kind of flew under the radar a little bit from me. He hasn't really got great statistics historically, but... He seems to be getting more game time now. He's got a better end product, and at five point two million, he's he's a really good enabler. Uh, he's got that decent fixture in game week eighteen, where you would expect more from someone like him than from a player like Dan Dunker. I mean, he proved it against City. What did he score twice against two City? Goals, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if he's if he's kind of got that potential, now looking at his stats, he's probably similar to Lundstrom, roughly, with um, yeah. stats like crosses and shots and stuff like that. So. They're they're not great stats, to be honest. I mean, he he
1: did get the assist for him and his goal, which was good. Uh, Yeah, he did cut that back really well. And he is playing right wing, but looking at his stats, 12 chances created on the season. So not massive. Only three big chances. Ten goal attempts this season. But he is looking to improve as a player. And I think he's using his pace and power on those counter-attacking chances. Uh, he looks to be a promising asset. And as a bench option, I would say he's pretty good. It's actually flagged at the moment. Hamstring injury. But yeah, I would say he probably is a, a good bench option.
2: Yeah, he's a risk. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't be too happy about leaving 5.2 million on the bench. I mean, I generally try and leave the, the lowest amount of money as possible there. Um, I've got Dan Donker in at the moment. I got him in on the wild card for 4.4. 4, and that was purely down to him being the cheapest and guaranteed 90 minutes every week. So he'll just sit third place on my bench every week. So with someone like Traore, I'd be a little bit more concerned. I've already used a wild card, So if I was to bring Traore in, then I've kind of got a bit of extra value tied up in him that I'd prefer not to have. But yeah, I just, I've, I've seen a few people talking about him now. Um, I think a lot of that is based on the performance against Man City. But he does seem to be getting forward more. He does seem to be a bit more guaranteed of game time. And as I said, he's got that decent fixture in, in game week 18. I think, do they play Wolves? Let me just check. Yeah, they are, sorry, they play Norwich. They, yeah, are Wolves. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they play Norwich,
2: which uh, which is one of the best fixtures at the moment. Norwich's defence is all over the place. So you'd expect Wolves to get a few goals in that week. And, I mean, you'd definitely expect something from Jimenez and potentially... Traore as well, so could be a good option for that week. I expect game week 18 to be fairly low scoring, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. The fixtures aren't that good for that game. Okay, well that takes us on to our more general questions, then, chaps. So the Hitman has asked from the Slack channel: Are Norwich this season's Fulham? Should we be targeting them as a team? Are there any other teams that should, if any, be targeted? West Ham, for example, have been a total shambles with Fabianski gone. And Haller hasn't settled yet. Some really good points yet. Um, I think that piggybacks nicely onto uh, Norwich being the uh, the team to go for at the moment. Iceman, yeah. if I come first on that one? Yeah, I agree with what Rory said as well. They
1: are just shocking defensively. And, yeah, it might be worth... If you're able to target them as a team, it could work for you but it's so whether or not you've got those transfers to do it and i think it's very difficult to constantly be changing your player each week to make sure that you're playing against that team but if you're able to to bring them in and they're going to work for the long haul the player that you bring in and you're bringing them in against norwich then yeah i don't see a problem with that it's just difficult to tar- target them every single week
2: yeah i'd agree with that it's i i'm never a big fan of kind of chopping and changing between um between players too much i mean try and do the the lowest number of transfers you can really and give give players that you bring in a bit of time to perform but yeah with the likes in norwich uh west ham as well seem to be a bit of a shambles it's definitely something that you need to be considering when you are bringing in players like who their upcoming fixtures are i don't usually put too much weight on the difficulty fixture difficulty index or whatever it's called on the actual FPL site, and um, you know yourself. I mean, Sheffield United are not a walkover at the moment, whereas the likes of Norwich and West Ham are going to concede practically, practically every game. But then teams change as well. I mean, you look at you look at Watford; they conceded eight against City, and then Three I think conceded. since then, yeah, yeah, they've only had five five goals in the last six games. They've only conceded so. Um, even Southampton, Southampton got smashed by Leicester and then smashed by City in the cup, and then actually did well against City in the league game. They went one nil up and held them back for for most of the game. So, yeah, teams will change. Norwich just, Norwich look like, like Fulham. They look like they're going to get spanked every week and it doesn't look like a lot's going to change. So, that's where the thinking does come into play with players like um, Jimenez and Traore, where you can kind of look ahead and say, right, well, I'll play these guys in game week 18. I mean, Jimenez could even be a captaincy option that week.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, some great answers there. Um so our next question, Jeremiah from Slack has asked, Ender Stevens in over Doherty, any thoughts on that comparison?
2: Well they're both Irish, so they're both legends (laughs) straight away. Um yeah, look it could it could be a good option. Uh Doherty was was massively overpriced, I think, this year at six million. He's definitely still a good option, but I just think yeah, way too overpriced. So Um, When you've got someone like Ender Stevens, I think he was 5 million. He might have gone up to 5.1 or 5.2 now. Um, I think he's definitely a good option. He got an assist last night uh, for Doherty, funnily enough. So, yeah, Stevens is definitely a good option. I think Lundstrom is obviously the best option at Sheffield United. If I was to get another Sheffield United defender in, like you you mentioned at the start of the pod, uh, potentially doubling up on them, um, I'd probably go with Baldock over Stevens. I just think... They're going to return similar points, and Baldock saves you that 0.6 uh, million. So, I'd probably steer more towards Baldock. But look, Stevens is Stevens is a good pick. He will bag a few assists.
1: Yeah, uh, as we mentioned before the pod, Dotty he's, he's getting right up there at the moment. Uh, eight penalty area touches, I think, in the last game alone. Uh, so it shows that him and Torre it doesn't matter that either one of them are playing on the right there that he does get forward I do a quick uh, stats comparison between the two of dotty and Stevens, and they are very similar I mean look at the the key stats Dotti's winning six to is um, five so it is quite close obviously he's at the cheaper price of 5.1 but yeah I, I don't know Doty is a bit of a, a punt he, you know we've seen him score last season he scored an international break so he can do it i would say that he would be a good differential to go for and uh, yeah I, I think i would i'd be more excited about the dutty pick than i would the uh, stevens pick
2: it's just difficult to to spend six million um or six yeah. million or above on any defender that's not called trent or robertson <laughs> at this point especially when you've the likes of sayonku um, Lundstrom, Rico, Tamori. you have got some great value picks there, and um, that are a lot cheaper. I uh, could easily outscore Doherty even between now and the end of the season. I just think defense is nearly locked up. We, you just—the decision is whether you get one Liverpool defender or two, and then the rest kind of pick themselves at the moment.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the next one is about uh, Mason Mount. We have had a number of questions about um, what to do regarding Mason Mount um, in terms of trading for similar price players, um, go like for like at Chelsea, swap to Leicester, you know, uh, trade down for a more budget player that's scoring reasonably well at the moment. So let, let's just have a, a chat about the Mason Mount issue, shall we, shall we chaps? Yeah, so, um, I mean, Mason
1: Mount, obviously he's been starting every game so far and I think it's the only time he's actually gone two games with no returns. So, I know he's had some injury issues. Uh, He scored for England. He's kind of been slowly ticking over with points, but there is the option of Pulisic, who you brought in this week, uh, last week, really. He's got a higher ceiling than Mount, but Mount has just been, you know, slowly ticking over. He's only two shots behind him over the last four, I think with 13 behind uh, Pulisic in terms of shots. So, he is up there, just not getting the points. But if you're looking at Pulisic and you're able to bring him in I would be very tempted by it you know since breaking into the team I think it was game week 10 he's scored five since then so you know he is ahead of mount in terms of shots in the box big chances shots on target and chances created in the last three so yeah he is right up there and he just looks so good in the box I mean like he gets in and around the box all the time he looks like a selfish player as well and also, he is top for XGI for midfielders over the last four with 3.94. Now that he is getting game time, I think he's kind of found his feet in the premiership. He's quite an exciting prospect. It's whether or not he can keep the place. I know we've got Hudson odoi in the ranks, but you know, they paid money for Persik, and yeah, he does look good. 15 shots in the last four, thirteen in the box, most of all midfielders. He didn't go away for international duty. Lampard said it was best interests of the player. Uh So I think he's going to be fit and I know Lampard said as well with Christian I've always believed that he's a huge talent and will be a big player for us and he has shown that so There's a lot of hope there and he does look really good. He looked good in the last game He's just constantly shooting. If I could have him, I think I would. It depends on whether or not you can move that money from Mount I, I wouldn't say you'll be moving around my team to get rid of Mount to bring in a Pulisic but if I could bring in just in the straight move, I think I would.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean I've uh, I've got mount myself. I got him at six point two, so I have a bit of value locked up in him. But um yeah, same. if he wasn't if he wasn't performing, um, I'd find it a lot easier to look to move him on. And uh, Pulisic would definitely be the one that I'd, I'd love to bring in for him. He does look phenomenal. There's a bit of concerns, as you said, about him getting rotated with Hudson-Odoi. I guess we'll see over the next few weeks whether that's, uh, whether that happens or not or how, how Lampard actually plays around with that. But I don't see Mount getting rested unless it's an injury. I think uh, Lampard seems to really like him. So I think he's, he's a set starter every week. As I said, I have a bit of money tied up with him. He hasn't returned well in the last couple of weeks, but I think that's been a little bit unlucky. He hit the bar, was it against Watford or Palace? I can't remember which game yeah, it was Watford, in, but great, great save Watford.
1: Foster, yeah. yeah,
2: so he's he's been close to pulling in the points, so I'm fairly happy to kind of sit on him for a bit. I had Madison previously, so I got Madison in the wild cards, um, along with Soyunku and Schmeichel. I could see Leicester keeping clean sheets, which they have done. Now, stupidly, I've been playing Schmeichel and I've benched Soyonku every week, which was silly, so I've missed out on all his points. Um, but having those three Leicester players blocked me from getting Verdi, so I had to get rid of one of the Leicester players. And after Madison scoring just a single goal in the in the 9-nil win, I just didn't see him as being that integral or that kind of instrumental to the Leicester team. After that game, so I thought it was easier to get rid of Madison than it would be now to get rid of Mount. I think Mount is Madison and Mount are the two standouts for the likes of assists. So I think Mount should just kind of take along. I think he'll get the odd goal, he'll get the odd assist, but for six point five, you can't really expect a huge amount at that price range. I think he's he's probably overperforming already for that kind of six to seven million range. He's um, the
1: highest for points per million uh, for that price range. Uh, Well, there you go. Along with Tillemans. Yeah. Yeah, So he's right up there. Yeah. They're both, currently providing the best points a million. Uh, Tillemans is one which was the Madison or Tillemans question, and Yeah, yeah. That that is the difficult choice in me. Tillemans is obviously best points a million so far this season underneath uh, seven million, but Madison, yeah, you know, on free kicks, corners, playing as number ten sometimes, yeah, he ticks over with points as well, you know, nine, nine, eight, two, seven in the last five. So yeah, I bet it was hard to take him out as well. In I know he, It was
2: but like I said, it was sulfur. So Frustrating when I think yeah, no um, they were seven. They were seven nil up, and he hadn't. Yeah, he hadn't done anything. Now he smashed in a, an incredible free kick, which was which was great in the end. But he didn't look like getting on any assists or any goals before that. So it was quite an easy move to get rid of him. Now he's obviously had a, a decent week last week and. He could easily continue to smash it, but I kind of made the decision that getting Vardy in was more important. And it's kind of the same with Mount. I'm fairly happy to sit with Mount at the moment. I do think he'll continue to deliver. And if I didn't have Mount and didn't have the money tied up with him and was looking to bring in one of the Chelsea midfielders, I think I'd probably go with Pulisic. Um, so if I was doing a wildcat this week And didn't already have mounts I'd probably pick Pio I think he's he's definitely the more explosive Five goals in three games is not sustainable But does show that he's he's definitely Hit the ground running the last few weeks
0: Okay, and I think uh, with that The Iceman's going to need a break oh, I'm dying for this <laughs> I'm going to go as well So, welcome, welcome back to the Iceman. Let's do a little bit of partner chats and plugging. So, we've got uh, Mikhail Tokvan, We talk about Mikel each week, previous guest and friend of the podcast, The Algorithm. So, how did that feature for the Iceman's team? Well, the recommendation was going Mount to Madison, Sterling to Mane, and Orbert to Vardy. The Iceman did... Ice Iceman finished that? I did nothing. You did nothing. <laughs> if he listened to the Algorithm, he would have been a lot better off Yeah, disappointing but it just, shows, just shows the algorithm does work it does it's proven you wrong which is a hard thing to do Iceman um, this uh, week using yeah. one transfer Sterling to Mane or Mount to Mads using two transfers uh, the highest that can be found is Mount to Mane or Bamiang to Ings thoughts on that interesting i have i've already
1: done my moves and i haven't done any of them so i'm disappointed
0: (laughs) well as you can see the algorithm managed to prove the ice man wrong last week so with that kind of a plug if you want to get involved and take some of the thinking out of your side go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm and give yourself a statistical fighting chance of making a good move for the game week
1: yeah
0: do it Uh, we're also partnered with the fantasy football hub uh given our discount there so for 10 percent off fantasyfootballhub.co.uk uh, go go there and put in surgery 10 for 10 percent discount code and get all the goodies on that website uh, we're now also partnered as we talked about with fpl doodles who is doing some fantastic drawings of the fpl headlines so check them out at fpl doodles one on twitter okay let's get on to the newly named feature Trap Tins. <laughs> so transfers and captains. Uh, Mr. Smith from uh, Twitter has asked, "Hey guys, would love help with my captain this week. Thinking KDB, but could could go with Vardy. Thanks. Vardy,
1: a very potential captain. He is top of the polls at the moment as so. well.
0: As we spoke about earlier,
1: as Rory's done, he's brought him in. You made sure that you brought him in for Madison. Six goals in the last four don't know if that's sustainable. Leicester playing well. Brighton look very open against United as well, although they are better at home. Dunk is suspended and Webster is injured. I, I can see it continuing. But it's just his conversion rate of 44% and his shot accuracy of 64% so far this season. He doesn't seem to be letting up, but surely we're going to see him regress at some point.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a bit of a stats buster. Um, but... I think for me it's probably going to be Vardy again this week he uh, sorted me out last week I, I, I've got Mane in now as well so it's probably a toss up between those two I'm not sure how Mane going to fare without Salah if Salah is out so I'm not sure if that's better or worse possibly potentially worse for Mane but I just think when it's when it's close calls like this, I mean, looking at the odds, there's not much between them. I think Verdi will probably be around fifty percent, fifty-one percent to score any time, and Mane'll probably be around forty-five, forty-six percent. So there's not going to be a huge amount between the two of them. Uh, I just go with go with your gut really on this one. There's not there's not going to be a massive amount. If I had a Yang, I think I'd go with him.
1: Oh, I'm um, so glad you said that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think I know with him, I, I can see them uh banging in a few against Southampton. Other than that really it's it's I don't usually go wild on, on um captaincy. I, I can see a few people talking about captaining trent look it could work these mad moves tend to tend to shoot people up the ranks when they do i know mark the general captain lundstrom last week in one of his yeah, fantasy, better fantasy better fan teams bet, yeah. which was which was excellent um look you can take little punts like that but i think over the course of the season generally if you go with the player that's that's most likely to score you'll have the most points at the end of the season but Look, uh, yeah, captaincy. I, I love, I love that part of the game. It's very frustrating when you go weeks on end without it delivering. But I think I'll probably be sticking on Vardy this week.
1: So you're not tempted by the City options? Chelsea with no clean sheets away from home this season—they they definitely will concede. It just depends how many,
2: really, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I could be tempted, but I mean, I'm getting—I've gotten rid of Sterling already, and I'm getting rid of Aguero. So it only really leaves De Bruyne for me. And as much as De Bruyne i can i could see him getting maybe an assist in the game he does bang up with a few goals but he never really he never he, he you don't see him banging in a load of goals um at the end like, towards the end of the season he might get a goal here or there but i just don't think he's the best captaincy option i did captain him once this season um when was that the game week that everybody got him in as vice captain <laughs> screwed me right over i bet you got it yeah and got Lundstrom off the bench. That was, a, that was a painful week. I was screaming for Sterling to come on for a one-pointer. But yeah, that's the only week I've actually captained them. But generally, I, I aim, aim to go for the players that are going to score the most goals. De Bruyne is just unique in that he just gets so many assists. <clears throat> and with the likes of Trent as well, I do think Trent is going to explode at some point. He will get a 15-pointer. But it's just as likely the way Liverpool are playing that he gets a two-pointer. And if Liverpool could see it early... You're sitting there kind of disgusted then with, with your captaincy on Trent. But yeah, look, fortune favours the braves. So yeah, full, full respect for anyone that does captain Trent. But for me, it's, uh, it's Vardy. Um, I could see a lot of goals in the city game, but as I said, I've, I've only got De Bruyne as so for me I'd prefer that on Vardy or Mane over De Bruyne
1: yeah clean sheets are odds at the moment the bottom four Southampton on 13% Crystal Palace on 13% Norwich on 12% and Chelsea on 11% so they are the least likely to keep a clean sheet against City which I don't think is going to happen but they do have Kante back so whether or not he's going to play and make yeah. a difference that that is a question mark there people need to look at that but City will be looking for blood though you know last time they lost you know they smashed the teammate eight whether well, or not i again. again, that again cap. Uh, what about your transfers so let's move to uh,
2: uh, transfers so I, I mentioned them briefly at the, at the start of the pod so I'm more than likely looking to get rid of Aguero and Yarmolenko and we'll be bringing in Martial and either Rashford or Jimenez so the main thing behind that is not who's better between Rashford and Jimenez um, it's the savings that you can make and how I can then redistribute that so if I go with Jimenez, it means I can upgrade one of my defenders the following week to Robertson, and then I'll have double Liverpool defense um, for the next five or six games, up until game week 18. Uh, if I go with Rashford, who I'm, I kind of am leaning more towards. Um, I think he's a bit more explosive. But if I go with Rashford, it means I can't double up on Liverpool defense, um, which go again may not be the worst thing. Uh, <laughs> what
1: did you say, go go with Rashford? Go with Rashford. It just it's, 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 uh, am, it's exciting.
2: It is exciting. I mean, I'm I'm putting a lot of eggs in the United basket, which is not <laughs> yeah. ideal. But yeah, as right. I said, le- less than one percent of of the managers in the top ten thousand have both. So if they if you see United winning three or four nil, um, they're going to be they're going to be in there with the goals. They generally seem to connect up well. So it's really just banking on you that which United you see is it the United that lost one nil to Bournemouth or is it the United that's yeah. been beaten Brighton and Norwich so. Yeah. It's it's kind of hit or miss that they're, they're, they're very inconsistent this season, but I am leaning towards uh, doing that. Even though they're up against Chef United, um, I think it's away. So, not the best fixture for United, but yeah, we'll see what way it goes. I'll probably make my decision on Friday night or Saturday morning. I don't think there's any extra information that we'll get. I, I fully expect Rashford and Martial and Jimenez all to start, but... Um, I think I've already missed some of the price rises. I'm not making many early transfers this season, so I'll probably leave it as late as I can to make the moves. so I will see as I said not, not, still undecided between Bradford and Jimenez but it just depends on whether I want Robertson or not
1: yeah fair enough um, I, as I have mentioned throughout the pod I have already made my moves I made them on the Sunday uh, so a week <laughs> last Sunday yes I've been sweating every day since then and it's not been nice uh, but I had to do the moves because uh, I wouldn't have been able to get the players I wanted in unless I did that so I moved out Connolly De Bruyne and Luca Dean for Lundström, Tillemans and Vardy. I haven't had Vardy and should have done it a few weeks ago for Aubameyang, but I haven't now I've uh, stuck with Aubameyang and I feel like I've gone the the whole hog and may as well stick with him. They're playing Saints and Norwich next, so... I'm also going to be putting the captaincy on Aubameyang. He's playing against Saints who are in terrible form at the moment. Um, I did actually watch Adrian Clark's analysis on Arsenal.com and all of Arsenal's good attacks go through him. Saints are second bottom for shots conceded over the last four, conceding five, but they should have conceded seven, according to the XG. They are third bottom for big chances conceded over over the season, conceding the most goals this season. I know that They've got thrashed uh, 9-0, which does skew it a little bit. Arsenal do play better at home, and they're fourth behind Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea for attempts on goal at home, and third for shots on target at home. So Arsenal need to bounce back after a poor run of form. You know, good players don't suddenly turn bad, and there's been a lot of negative noise around the Arsenal camp lately. And I think it's games like this one, which... They need to quieten the haters. And a lot of players rested over the international break for Arsenal. The players like Lacazette, Ozil you know even the likes of T&E and Bellerin and these are the players which I can see providing for Aubameyang he's still one of the most consistent players in the league and if it wasn't for him being offside in the in the last game he would have returned then too and that might have actually changed the game so I'm balls on Aubameyang and those are my moves and come on come on Arsenal let's do it
2: I could definitely see it happening to be honest like you said it's it's all the writings on the wall there for a four or five nil Arsenal win, and I've never seen a team in the Premier League drop their heads as early as Southampton did against Leicester. Yeah. So, if Arsenal kind of start start well, banging a goal or two, I could see a similar thing. It's it's one of them games you could see Arsenal really hitting form. That the type of team that could take um, Southampton apart here, but at the same it's time, it wouldn't surprise ideas. me. It wouldn't no, surprise d- me. D- to don't say see what you no, Don't say. <laughs> Just cut. You can cut that bit. No, out. Cut,
1: cut this <laughs> bit. Yeah, this Yeah,
2: included. But, but uh, the thing with Aubameyang as well, he's still he's still kind of low owned, so it wouldn't bother me too much. I mean, it's the players that you that are highly owned that you don't own that do the most damage, obviously. Um so the likes of Sterling this week, obviously De Bruyne. You're getting rid of De Bruyne. He's seventy percent owned. So these are the players that can really do damage if you don't have them. Aubameyang, I think is like 20% or something like that. So, listen, if he yeah. gets a hat-trick, uh, I've no problem with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bully Bully, what are your moves for this week?
0: Um, I'm going to bring in Jamie Vardy. For Aguero. For Aguero, yeah, I held off on that for too long. So, just as Aguero is about to hit his purple patch. No, I've I just felt um, I'm just falling behind too much because of this uh, this newly found ce- you know, hind ceiling that Vardy now has compared to the one goal, um, and that was it, efforts of a uh, season's past So I thought, I can't keep falling behind. Leicester look wonderful, Brighton away. It's too good a fixture. He's going to be my, my skipper as well for yeah. that one. I, I have got a bit of bother because there's uh, question marks over Salah, Pulisic and Connolly. And I've only got one fit outfield player on the bench as well. So a little bit of uh, a bit of concern. So I'm looking anxiously at the fitness reports. Uh, heading into the weekend but i'm hoping all three of those will come good
2: yeah, I yeah hopefully they're hopefully really. they're just international injuries yeah a yeah, bit of a scratch or something like that
0: uh, we'll yeah. uh, see what happens okay let's talk about our mini league so first of all we'll go through the patreon mini league and uh it's not too much change at the top so in third place we've got ollie calione in third second place frederick tanham and uh, first place, Tim Regan Morris, well although joint with Frederick now on 735 points. It's hot at the top.
1: Solid, Tim. Well done.
0: So hot. So hot. Also, the public league. So, if you'd like to join the CCC JK2, that's CCC JK2 to join our public league. So, I'm going to try and work my way through the top 10 completely unrehearsed. Apologies in advance for everybody's name who I butcher. In tenth place, we've got Kendall Stephen. We've got ninth place, Alex Nielsen. Eighth is Evan O'Toole. Seventh place, we've got Paul Marshman. Sixth, Mike Butcher. Fifth place is Hal Stein Yustabo. Fourth place, Christina Hogseth. Third place, Theodore uh, backer Second place, Kevin Allen, and first place, Rui D'Oliveira with seven hundred and ninety-six points. That he, is a stonking, he's a actually, stonking season's total.
1: He's actually never had Trent in his team this season.
0: I've seen never had Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah still scoring that but must be a leicester man well doing well at the top there Rui. let's see if uh, if they can maintain their 12 point gap although kevin allen is closing in hot on their heels over the coming game week so let's get into our guests top picks so the top three picks and top three differentials so rory do you want to go for your top three players for this game week first of all
2: yeah, um, so top three players, Vardy, fairly clear one, if you already have him, great, if you don't bring him in like you guys both are, <laughs> Trent, <laughs> yeah, a little bit late, <laughs> um, Trent would be my second pick, so I, as I said, I everybody's been waiting for Liverpool to start keeping clean sheets, and when they do, um, Trent and Robertson are going to start racking up the uh, the bonus points when they start getting assists and goals so i do think these both have some huge scores in them uh, they just need to keep a clean sheet first so the attacking points are there they just need to get the clean sheets and the final one then is Yang. so we we talked about him um a little earlier there so i just think he's he's the most likely this week i feel to to get a huge score so if you did have him captaining him is a great move he if, if he bangs in a couple of goals you'll fly up the rankings he's only 15 or 20% ownership so he'll do a lot more than the likes of Vardy who's 80-90% owned so and um, those would be my three picks then Vardy, Trent and Aubameyang uh, and then for the three differential players I'd go with Richarlison Everton have been awful so far this year but I think he could really turn it on against Norwich and um, Everton will turn it around they've got the same players as last year nothing has really changed there so they just need to kind of find their groove, and I think they will do that at some point, and there's no better game really than Norwich. But long term, I think Everton are a pretty big void for me. Um, they have an awful run of fixtures up until Christmas, and they just haven't really clicked yet this year. The second one then would be Doherty. So uh, I did write this before he scored for Ireland last night, so it was good to see some instant uh, payback there. Um, as you mentioned already, he's the most penalty touch, uh, pe- penalty box touches of any defender last game week with eight and he had two goal attempts. So he seems to be linking up well with Traore and they face Bournemouth next. So Bournemouth have been strangely enough keeping a few clean sheets, but I think they still, they'll still concede against Wolves this weekend. And Doherty has a great chance of, um, scoring and keeping a clean sheet there. And the final one then would be, would be Chris Woods. So, he had the most shots in the box and shots on target and big chances of any player last game week. And he's still under 1% ownership. So I boarded the Burns train just before it derailed earlier in the season. And after watching just one Burnley game, I realized I'd picked the wrong attacker. So I kind of went with the, went with the crowd, went with the template and went, went for Burns. But Chris Wood seems to have been the, the, the one to pick. So there's a couple of people I know that did pick him and they've been racking up the points with him so i think he could have a great game this weekend and as i said under one percent ownership so a cracking differential pick great picks man great picks
0: great shouts there so get on those people okay let's look at the feedback box and uh ben from slack has messaged regarding the last patreon podcast so love the pod iceman Helmo and bully best pod i've listened to this season across all fpl content wow uh, great to take a step back and look at FPL tactics during the international break, and we all get drawn into form fixtures discussion from week to week. Great feedback, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Okay, so um, we've got a lot of podcasts here, so we're going to miss out on some of our usual features. We've missed some questions. Hands up. Um, I sucked at timekeeping tonight. Um, complaints. I'll be giving you an email that you can send them to. But hopefully, you've got a lot out of the podcast just to wet your whistle for, for next week. Luke Williams is joining us, aka Disable from FF Scout. I'm looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. Um, I want to thank our guest Rory. Thanks for getting involved and uh, joining us this evening. Yeah, thank you, Rory.
1: Uh, cheers, guys. It was great. Great stuff.
0: And as a reminder, if people want to uh, get involved with all the things you're doing and chat FPL with you, where's the best place to do that?
2: Um, so, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I've only just created the, the account now um, about two months back, so it's FPL FOMO. So you can uh, chat to me there.
0: Okay, yeah, no, fantastic. Great to have you on board, Rory. Great guest. Loads of really good insight and things for us to learn there. As usual, here's a few ways of getting in contact. So if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. If you want to get involved in our in our prize leagues to get the extra content we publish in non-notice of international break weeks, etc. And to generally get involved, get involved in our Slack community. So any support for podcasts is greatly received you can also join our general podcast mini league code cccjk2 we're on facebook soundcloud reddit and twitter at fpl surgery you can also go to our website fplsurgery.com regular updates and content on there uh subscribe to us on itunes and if you can give us a rating and a comment that helps us to become more present to the uh, the searching podcaster so uh, give us a bump on there and uh, if you would like to complain about the the lack of content covered tonight uh, email the Iceman info at fplsurgery.com looking forward to that looking forward to a, a stream of complaints yeah. um, that brings us to the end of another FPL Surgery podcast Iceman any words of wisdom for our listeners no never mine's just trust Jamie Vardy thanks for listening good luck in your game weeks up the pod up the pod
1: Yes. Yes. Say
2: up the pod. Okay, up the pod. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you can add that back
0: in. We, <laughs> always, we always get them in the end.
1: Yeah, we do because I, I force them to. Uh, I, I'm forgetting about uh, Mad Hatter's Alexis Arsalts. Hold on, let's get that going. Alexa, mm. pollute my ears, you sarcastic wench bot. Oh God, Mad Hatter, you kill me. Although if I wanted to kill myself, I'd just climb your ego and jump to your IQ. How are Luton doing, by the way? Awkward. Bitch. Anywho, this game week saw a battle of the
2: Titans, with Liverpool making City look as fearsome as slugs in a salt mine. Chelsea and Leicester continue to impress, whilst Norwich and West Ham continue to bend
1: over and think of England's second tier. My outside captain pick for all you gamblers out there is Alexander-Arnold, Fill your boots. Good luck everyone and remember Mad Hatter, two wrongs don't always make a right. Take your parents for example. Why did I even buy you? Dumbass.